The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota, and I love talking about women in agriculture. The women of Common Ground Minnesota are volunteers who are volu- you know, taking their time to chat with you about what it's like to live on a farm and grow food in Minnesota. Here's some really great news about this group. They have just launched a newsletter that you can basically sign up for at commongroundminnesota.com, and you get the latest you know, events, giveaways, delicious recipes, all sorts of great stories from the farm. And I got to tell you, it's just a really cool thing to get into your inbox every month. And it's it's kind of an, a way in. If you're wondering, like, I don't know what I'm going to ask when I go to Common Ground, Minnesota. Well, this is just an introduction and a way to get you guys to meet the farmers at Common Ground, Minnesota. The Common Ground Minnesota volunteers, remember, their goal is to be a resource for your food and farming questions. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at Common Ground, M-I-N-N, CommonGroundMinnesota.com. What time is it? Time for the weekly dish. I want fries on my pizza, the rabbit and tortilla barbecue. That song just never gets old. Welcome to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, Steph March. And we are here for a beautiful, can we just say glorious? We should start the weather report. Yes, yeah, that's a glorious Saturday. It is a glorious Saturday. It's going to be a top weekend. A top, sure, top, top weekend. Minnesota weekend, friends. I'm excited. I'm, I'm literally going to sit on my deck. I'm going to like cook things. I'm going to, you know, outside. I'm just going to drink a lot of white wine. That's a good thing to do. I'm past the rosé. I just want everyone to know that. I'm, um, not that we need to talk about my weight, because that's not very exciting. <laughs> no, it's not. But I'm the opposite of most people. And yeah. I think maybe you are too, because I think we've talked about this before, where I gain all my weight in the summer. Yeah. From the drinking, from the eating, from the cabin. I'm the opposite of you. I, I'm more of a winter one, but now that I'm 50... <laughs> Nothing matters. There's no season. It just happens. Okay, good. Because so, I am just like, I'm yeah. bloated. I've eaten too much. I've drank too much. I've cooked too much. Like but cooking you can, you feels much, just like like I had a small a break. breakdown last week. You at need the a break. You need a break. Did you watch? And if you haven't watched, you should. My sisters are we're funny people. We don't intend to be funny, but we just are funny. And we did an Instagram up at the lake where we were talking about cabin food. And I didn't realize the disdain that my sisters have, but taste buds, they love it. But they're like, yeah, we don't come here and eat hot dogs, friends. We They don't even make, like, hamburgers. Like, who doesn't make hamburgers at the cabin? Oh, like, they're mis- They're sad that they're not getting hot they dogs They were just like, what kind of cabin food do you think she makes? <sighs> and my sister was like, yeah, like, something has a beer blanc sauce. 
I was like, um, beer blanc? No, it's beer blanc. So we were laughing about <laughs> beer that. Beer blanc. I kind of like that. Only your sisters I kind of want to try to make that now. Yeah, beer blanc. I can do that, I bet. <laughs> that could be interesting. Then I made the... Um, so you had Ellie's birthday, though. I did. And you're saying you had a fail. I totally did. First of all, I did a shrimp boil, yeah. which... Should be super easy. So, you failed at shrimp oil? Here's why. Because, sorry, I hope they're not listening, but between Kurt and my brother-in-law, pecking it all, oh. like, okay, do you, your pot, like, do you have a big enough pot? Like, do you, do you have enough full bay? Do you, how are you going to use the seasoning? I was just at first like, playing along. you put it in and everything And else? then I was like, everyone kept coming into the kitchen one by one by one, like little sheep. Do you need help? Oh. Do you need help? The fifth person who, unfortunately, or thank God, was one of my sisters. I was like, you know what? When you come in here and say, can I help? You better be prepared to help. You better not just turn and walk away when I look at you. Because why are you offering to help if you can't help? Like, Ooh. And my well, that sister, was the meltdown. That was part of it. Then I got mad at Kurt because he took my already boiling water in a pot and moved it into another pot. Because he didn't think the pot was big enough. And I was like, okay, that's annoying. Then I was making Ellie's birthday cake which I never make the right dessert for my kid's birthday. It's almost like karmic. It's now a family joke. Okay. You can read about it in the cookbook and all the fails I've had. Remember the pot de creme fail, the molted chocolate cake fail, the chocolate zucchini cake fail. Like it just goes on and on. Is it a fail because it's a fail or because she just doesn't like it? I usually have a fail. Oh, okay. Like a serious cooking fail. So I make my famous poppy seed cake that I've made a hundred times. Yeah, a hundred times. I made the custard. That's all good. I'm frosting the cake after like getting the boil going and having all this tension. Yeah. And I like go to lick the bowl as I'm going to wash the bowl out. It's sour. I have frosted the cake with sour whipped cream. Oh. And I had looked at all the dates, but you know, cabin, like half a cream here, half a cream there. I just kind of dumped it all in and it was ruined. Oh. So then I got the trash can and I am like wiping cream off of the top of the cake, trying to preserve the custard layer while the 10th person's coming and going, do you need any help? Do you need any help? And I'm like, no, I don't need help. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I try to refrost. I try to remake the whipped cream real quick with half whipped cream, half, half and half. If you're wondering, that doesn't work. No. So I finally just, (laughs) I finally just took half half strawberries and like laid it on the top. I was just saying, didn't you have any powdered sugar? Couldn't you just like powdered sugar the heck out of that and just leave it? Maybe on top of the custard yeah. though, would the powdered sure. sugar like mouge in? I don't know, but like... I just decided, okay, I got some berries. I didn't even have enough to like cover the cake so I tried to make this lame design. <laughs> and I bring it out and Ellie, by this time, everyone was like, don't go in the kitchen. Right, like, like, like don't do that. Yeah, she was like, Mom, it's fine. It's delicious, Mom, it's fine. Oh, she good. was very good. Okay, good. But yeah, so a total fail. I mean, who doesn't have fails? I think that that's just like, you know, I mean, I I, the, I was cleaning up this, so I had all the kids there at my house. Like, my entire kids, they're all home. Are they all staying in your house? Oh, no, that's not possible. <laughs> I moved into a tiny house. <laughs> And also, there's like a baby. There's no, no one wants to stay. Everyone has their own places except for Matt, who's on my couch probably right now. Um, but nonetheless, so we were all over and it was all my kids, um, you know, and their sig figs and my mom and, and then the Hermans came over. Keith and AJ came over, which was awesome. Um, and Chris in the hot tub. Love that. Um, but it was fun because we had everybody in and I was like, I don't know how we're going to make enough food. And I don't know if I'm going to like, I've never made that much food in that kitchen yet. 
And I kind of started earlier in the day. I did the grilling first. I grilled the chicken, the corn, the peaches, and the shrimp super early because I was like, I don't want to be standing at my... And by the way, my grill is a turbojet. I don't know why, but you could like... You could like make diamonds out of sand with that thing. It is like the hottest thing. Like I barely have any hair left, you know, on my forearms. Like it literally is dangerous, but whatever. So, but I did all that and I was like, it was a kind of a crazy production. And then I realized like I made this awesome corn with this miso butter tahini sauce. Oh my God. I am in love with the sauce and I will find it and put it on the show page for you. We're going to talk a little bit about corn maybe later, but it was like, and and then I realized I'd gone to France 44 and talked to them about what I was making. And I bought this cheese that was going to be this spectacular cheese to put alongside this corn. And then I bought this wine that was going to be this perfect pairing with those things. And I was like so excited for it. Do you think the cheese made it out of the fridge? Do you think the wine got drunk like an hour and a half before the food got on the table? Of course. Like, no. And, you know, and so it didn't work. But yet it was like nobody was the wiser and right. everybody was happy. And. It was like, I made, <laughs> we were like, should we do a pound of pasta? Like, there's a bunch of people here. And then I was like, should I do a pound and a half more? And it's like, yeah, let's do like a pound and a half. Well, I did a pound and three quarters, plus like four chicken breasts and a bunch of tomatoes. And, and everything it was else. all gone. No, it was like, there's so much left. <laughs> I basically have like a lexin of, you know, of like pasta, bow tie pasta, which is fine. But it's funny because it's just like everything. I'm just my metrics are all off is what I'm saying It's like I don't have I don't have my groove yet in this kitchen. Like I don't know. Like I'm, I have all these pans and then I'm like, OK, I need to do this. And like you're in my way and there's not enough room over here. Yeah. And it's just it takes that it takes that time. You got to figure that out. The cooking dance. It is the cooking dance. I was so burned out on cooking the next night was Saturday and they're like, OK, what are we having? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, what do you mean you don't like what? I was like, I don't know. Kurt, yeah, but do you want to make pizzas? You've created this monster. <laughs> yeah. I just was like, I'm out. Yeah. Like, yesterday was too much for me. I'm out. Uh, we, I have to don't get you rid have of leftovers. I said, we have a whole refrigerator of food that I have to clean out because there's a family transition tomorrow. Yeah. No, no. And leftovers. so Isn't how about you the... make pizza, Kurt? And we just throw whatever leftovers on the pizzas we have. That's the rule of cabin last day anyway, isn't yes. it? Like you got to eat it down. Because I have to. I usually I can just leave food in the refrigerator from week to week, but we had a family transition, which means different families coming and we were out. So I like had to clean and take all the food out. So I was like, yeah, we're just having pizzas. And my one little niece is like, well, is there at least pepperoni? And I was like, no, but there's salami. Why don't you cut it? So it looks like pepperoni. Yeah. And she goes, okay. Okay. Can do (laughs) that. She made like Oscar Mayer pepperoni out of salami. And I was like, that's fine. Sure. Totally. What kind of cheese is there? I'm like, we have plenty of cheese. It it's might be pepper cheese. jack, but it's going to be fine. It's Don't gonna worry. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, we okay. have a great show for you today, sure. though. We're going to talk a little bit about tomatoes, a little bit about corn, a little bit about peaches, and state fair beers. we got to yes. talk about the state fair beers. Yeah. When we come back on the Weekly Dish, which is presented this week by Knob Creek. Stephanie, I'm making a boulevardier for you. We'll be back. If you're thinking of buying a house this year but have been deterred by the crazy market, this is Stephanie Hansen from The Weekly Dish. And not only did I buy a house with Carrie and Sue from Lakes Area Realty, but Ellie is too. Ellie is a first-time homebuyer who was previously looking for a condo when she spotted a cute little bungalow in West St. Paul. I told her to call Carrie and Sue with Lakes Area Realty. Ellie was impressed with how easy Carrie made the process. She looked at the home twice in one day and had an offer in the hands of the seller by the end of that night. Carrie and Sue will work with you to help you find the perfect house. They know the tricks of the trade so that you can get the home you choose without necessarily paying the highest price or overpaying. 
With mortgage rates being at historic lows, people are qualifying for higher priced homes but with lower payments. Ellie is a first-time home buyer, and the mortgage lender found a first-time buyer program that is able to keep her monthly payments about the same as a one-bedroom apartment, but instead, she's building equity in her first home. Find Carrie Elkst, C-A-R-R-I-E, and Sue Durfee at CarrieAndSue.com at Lakes Area Realty if you're buying or selling a home. Now's a great time to buy. A quick just recap of things to do today. Irish Fair has kind of a little pivot that I thought was interesting that's happening out at Harriet Island, and they have a Celtic kitchen. Yeah. And they're doing more robust, like, Irish fare than just your typical kind of fairy food. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, it would be fun to head out there. Yeah. Um, Also want to remind you that we are going to be out at the State Fair. The Weekly Dish show will be abbreviated to an hour, so there's room for other afternoon shows to come in for my talk. But we will be on each Saturday of the State Fair from 9 to 10, live out at the fair. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Steph will be on the first week. We'll, we'll both be on the first week and then I'm going to take off the second week because I got to close up my cabin and get a few more recipes in before I'm done for the season. Sure. Um, but we will also be hosting the Minnesota Cooks Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friends Claudine Arndt and Katie Cannon have a new cookbook called The Farmer and the Chef. And we're going to be doing a whole day celebrating local farming and Minnesota cooks and Minnesota chefs out at the stage which is, what's the name of that park? Ball, Dan uh, Patch Park. Thank you, Dan Patch Park, 10 a.m. it's actually Carousel Park. We'll be there 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. Yeah. On Sunday, the first weekend of the fair. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's that, remember, if you guys have remembered it, it's been going on for a bunch of years now, where, you know, a local chef is paired with one of the farmers that they love using, you know, locally, and they sort of use their ingredients to make a dish. I think that's the same thing. And then I think, I don't know if they're going to be sampling this year. Normally they cook a thing and then they sample it out in the crowd. I would assume not. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, but nonetheless, it's always good to hear and, you know, to listen to the chefs and the, and the uh, farmers talk a little bit about that sustainable, you know, and actually during the supply chain issues that are happening right now, using your local farmer is a wickedly smart move. You had a very interesting article about supply chains, and I thought it was interesting that you quoted John Whiffley from Animali's Barbecue Truck. One of the things I noticed when I went to his new burger truck that's at Bauhaus Brew Labs was there was a burger, but there was also a lot of vegetarian things. Yeah. And it occurred to me that that could be a supply chain issue. And you mentioned that. Because of the cost of some of the ribs and the beef and the things that he's making, he said because of supply chain issues, he'd have to be charging $45 for a rack of ribs to make any money, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, and I mean, he is using really great meats. Right. You know what I mean? He's not, I mean, there's definitely, I I did receive some people like, I've seen lots of ribs for like, you know, 20 bucks or whatever. And yeah, you can find those too. They're not as good. Let's be clear. Um, but it's... I do think that there's uh, and and we talked we touched on it a little bit last week Elizabeth oh, and I did okay. so um, I don't want to go too far into it but it was literally um, I I've heard a lot from people you know just that they're kind of it's 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 just a it's just a roll of the dice often of what they're going to be able to find um, I've heard things where suppliers are starting to get very frustrated and trying to figure things out and it's it's just a really tense the thing that is the most important to know about this is that it's really tense out there and that while we're all wanting to go out and party hardy and you know live it up these restaurants are like trying to figure out how to stretch everything that they can between labor and supplies and everything else. I heard a similar story about Ray J's that they do like a a big wing, a full wing. 
and they've been having trouble like getting those full wings. Yeah, and that there's a chicken wing shortage. Well, again. there's a there's so and then the and and I didn't really go into it too far into it in that piece, but the idea of like there is a chicken wing shortage because there's it's a processing plant issue. Right. There's not people at the processing plants, and no one's buying like whole chickens and breaking them down themselves. They just want those wings. Right, and then you have you know what they call of um, there's something called I can't remember what it was like the. Uh, economy of a carcass or something like that where they're like basically you have to also be using all the rest of it to make it make sense and so there's been just a lot of issues with the way things are flowing because of labor shortages at supplying but also at the processing as we round the corner on what could be well we we can say that uh coronavirus infections are increasing we're at like 5.1 percent or something do you anticipate that we're going to start to see more masks at restaurants or have you d- d- yeah, dove into I mean, that at all? Yeah, there's masks all over restaurants. I think that there's a lot of places that you go and they're all wearing masks and they're asking. Uh, it depends if I haven't seen I've yet to walk into a place that asks me to put on a mask. Um, but I haven't gone in. I mean, I haven't like looked for that yet. I haven't been. I'm just saying that that's an anecdotal thing of me and where I've been going this week. I haven't yet, but I've seen plenty of of staff wearing masks yeah and yeah. so i haven't seen anybody yet ask for the vax to say like because in other ha- cities chicago in san francisco new york, new york and san francisco have mandated it and places in chicago i know have been doing it uh on a case-by-case basis i told and we're seeing a lot of entertainment venues like yes. the dakota will do it yep and they have a new uh, chef consultation partnership yeah, with we'll Tim McKee. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> I do love the Dakota, though. I know. And I don't know. We'll see how that goes. And I don't, I'm not, and we asked this on the Weekly Dish. Remember, you guys, we asked you guys like weeks ago if you would be fine with a mask or with a vaccination ID thing. And the majority of you did. We're fine with it. And I think that was even before we got into, I mean, so many more people have now been vaccinated in the state of Minnesota. That it is, you know, like, I mean, since we asked that question, I'm saying there was a huge rise right. in vaccinations. And that's wonderful. That's amazing news. Because in my mind, that's the way we get through this to a place where we can all live our lives normally without masks. Right. So right. that's what I'm hoping for. Um, What else was I going to ask you? And I was gone last week. Oh. I did get to fill in with Marjorie for Elizabeth, which was fun. Mm-hmm. And we talked all about van life. Oh, yeah. Which was really interesting. That's she had fun. so many funny questions on Best to the Nest. If you want to find that podcast, you can find it at stephaniesdish.com. I loaded it there. Um, all right. So do you want to talk about beers or do you not? Or do you want to? What did you make? Like, I want to know what you made. Okay. In your big family gathering meals. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing is like we. So I did a sweet corn uh, segment on Fox Nine yesterday. And so then there was sweet corn left over. He's and and my producer guy Abraham was like, Do you want to just take these? And I was like, Yeah, I was gonna go buy some anyway. So then but then I was sitting there thinking like I don't like I saw all this creative, great sweet corn and I was like, I need to think of something different. Like I don't want to do what I you know, I don't want to just do the elote salad. I don't want to do any of that. Um and because of just we always take it off. We don't do cobs. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you have a big group because it's just harder and it's easier just to have something to scoop on your plate. So I was trying to come up with stuff and this was actually what I was going to talk about was interesting. I've been having like, I haven't really done a lot of cooking, but so I haven't really done a lot of looking through websites and things like that. And, but I had to kind of go look at some websites just to see inspiration, you know? 
And I have to tell you that I feel like I went to the Bon Appetit website, which I often do, just to kind of tool around and see things. I wasn't finding the things that I was looking for. I wasn't finding any way to access um, either like corn recipes or things like that. And then I went to Food and Wine and it was a little bit better. Like they were like, here's here here's 31 things you need to make this August. And I was like, oh, I'll go and I'll plumb that one. Yeah. And here's this other thing. And I realize that, you know, we've talked a lot about Bon Appetit on the show and about their evolution and what they're trying to do. And I'm not, and it's funny because I did talk to an intern um, that we have and she was saying how during the pandemic, she was part of that Bon Appetit, that test kitchen yeah. you know, cult. <laughs> so was my niece. Right. And, and so her like, friend Laura. And I said, how do you feel it's going now? And she's like, it's it's fine. I just don't know if they know where they are. We don't know where they are. And she's like, I'm not, I like it. She's like, I like what they're, the content they're putting up. She's like, but it doesn't, it's not as captivating and it's as compelling. And I was like, okay, is it just because it's different cultures? Oh, we're taking a break. Okay. We have to finish this point because it's an important yeah, point. Yeah, we'll come back to we'll it. We'll come right back to You're it. You're listening to The Weekly Dish. Hello, Weekly Dishers. Spring has sprung, and that means the best-tasting wild-caught seafood is available from Sitka Salmon. You may have heard us talk about Sitka Salmon before on the show, and that's because we are huge fans. Sitka Salmon standards for quality are unrivaled in the industry because, you see, Sitka Salmon is a community-supported fishery. The fish they process for you to eat are caught by a collective of small boat fishermen, fisherwomen, and families. Some of these families have been fishing for multiple generations. And knowing the boat your fish comes from is not typical of most fish you buy. When you buy a Sitka salmon share, you're getting the freshest quality fish you can, and you can trace the fish back to its source. With your share, you're part of the Sitka family, and you get monthly fish shipments of salmon, lingcod, crab, tuna, halibut, and you get the freshest fish while it's in season. They even have recipes, but I've been steaming my cod in my instant pot. The fish is so delicious, you don't even need to do much to serve it other than cook it and eat it. So Weekly Dishers, here is how you get your $25 discount for the first month of a premium Sitka salmon share. Type SitkaSalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. So save $25 on your box. Again, type Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, SalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. Those cute little BTSers. Yeah, okay. But there's no green coming. We're supposed to wait to the green so that (laughs) that other people in other stations can hear us. That's what I learned. Okay. There's like a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's right. You're right about that. Yeah. Okay, so so what I was saying is that I uh, I was making dishes for my family, and I was trying to find I was trying to think of some creative ways to do things. I go to the websites for inspiration. I'm looking at I'm just resetting this back up. I'm looking in through like Food and Wine. I'm looking at Bon Appetit and all this stuff. And what I've really realized is that, um, and this is comes from maybe because I am a person who creates content and I'm a reader service content provider meaning I do service journalism. But the difference is, is that Bon Appetit has stopped in my way, in my mind, becoming a, um, it has, it has backed off on service journalism. And now it's just trying to listicles. No, it's no, no, it's actually telling more stories and everything else, but it's really about their perspective. And it's not about our needs. That's a, just a different thing. They're I coming, see what you're saying. They're coming at us from different ways. They're not coming at us from, it's not like, okay, I'm going on a picnic. I need like a bunch of potato salad recipes. I need somewhere to go find those. And then this is what I need because this is August and there's potatoes. I need yes. or corn. 
there that's usually when you're looking at what the reader needs and then you try to fill that need. And this is like they've become here are our stories and we're going to give them to you. There's nothing wrong with this. This is a this is just a path they've chosen and it's just different. So there's is like, you know, and they have a lot of I mean, there's and I read their stuff, too. It's like I read all of it. Right. And but for me, that's just a change that I have to now address as far as when I'm looking for food recipes. I don't I'm not going to go to them as a resource. I'm going to go to them as an interest. You know, and that's just a different thing. But it is interesting. You know where you'll and, and you know what's interesting about that to me as I don't really call myself a food blogger because I don't really think I am. But I don't know. You're an influencer. I mean, you. I'm a in between person. Yeah, I'm a yeah, amalgamation. You are. You're sort of a hybrid. But, but where you're going to find recipes then is people like me because we're cooking seasonally. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, but there's still there's I there's still stuff about. A large publication and the history of the like the depth of their recipe collections, which is what I'm looking for. Yes, I'm not looking for my take on tomato your pie. Your cute little, yeah. I mean, and this is not you. I'm saying like yeah. you know, like like pinch of baby cake, sugar pops, you know, whatever. Dot com and all of her like, oh, I made another lemon bar, you know, kind of a thing. I don't need all of the same lemon bars or whatever. And I'm not. I use those recipes too, but I'm saying when I'm looking for. A depth, you know, because I do appreciate the depth that Bon Appetit brings, like different ingredients and they're different techniques and they see, they see a wider scope. And that's what I want brought to the table. I want it to be able to survey that. And I do in like New York Times cooking, but even my New York Times cooking isn't as, doesn't have as depth of field as most of the food magazines have. I did have a weird food magazine experience this week that really bugged me. And I'll share it with you because mm-hmm. I think you and I are pretty, we're good food magazine connoisseurs. Like we appreciate them. We I'd support them. them. I do too. I got an email. Oh, and it was always on my Facebook feed of a local company that was like, oh my gosh, we won best uh, fair food by the Food Network. This is so amazing. And a the, local company said that? Yeah. And the picture was of a fair food that hasn't debuted at the fair yet. So I was like, huh. So how did the Food Network pick you as the best fair food when no one has eaten this yet? So then I clicked yeah. into the article and of the 50 fair foods that they picked from around the country that they said were the best, I would say nine of them were straight out of the press release of the Minnesota State Fair. I'm going to be And honest. no one has eaten those foods. Well, I'll be honest with you that. All of them were written. I mean, this is one writer. There's no chance that the Food Network paid for this one writer to go to all the fairs in the last year. Nothing was eaten. Nothing. So I find that to be problematic. Disingenuous. Yeah. I this don't is think why you we don't... can talk about that you're the Food Network, which I'm not, I don't know. That seems like the holy grail of food TV, doesn't it? I mean. Or should be. And you have put a whole list together. If you had changed the way you presented that, foods were excited about at the state fairs this year. Right. Like, I could have been like, oh, okay, well, like previews, something. I, didn't, I clicked into that list. You sent it to me, and I didn't really look at it. And I don't know. It's possible that it wasn't the best. It was just like, maybe it said that, but then the local company took it as, this is the best. You know, because that happens a lot, where they see something, and they're like, oh, did you see you got written up in Food Network? What? Yeah, they were. They said you had the best state fair, and they're like, yeah. "What?" And they put it out there, and I don't blame them. I mean, press is press, and PR is PR. Of course, and I don't blame the company either. No. But I felt like Food Network. Are you serious? Well, this is do the a har- better job. Well, the hardest part for local pubs is when the nationals 
take whatever they want to do and splash it and then get it wrong or or just write from basically they de- they they degenerate or they uh they delegitimize. De- de- thank you lists like that because there's no authenticity in it because they're not actually eating it they're not actually they're writing from press releases and blurbs that are written by publicists so there's no reality to it well and i think there's a different point of view and this is why you're great on the show and why I'm different on the show together. Your point of view is of the journalist. And that is super important to me. So you're looking at it from like a standpoint of this is just like crappy journalism people. And you're delegitimizing what we do locally yes. as real journalists. I get yeah. all that. Yeah. Past that next part is just like, okay, I'm Susie Stephanie. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Food Network likes you- these fair foods. And I'm clicking in there and I'm like, wait a second. How do you expect me to buy your magazine or watch your shows with any ounce of authority at all? Yeah. Which barely you have as it begins with, except for the fact that you carry Ina Garten on your network. And you haven't even had these things. You haven't even eaten them. But if it was like most ever... over the top fair foods, like again, it was presented as though these are the best foods. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, gross. I don't find a lot of credibility and celebrity network thing like that like food network to me doesn't have i mean they're they're all about again it's like it's about it's about the faces i don't necessarily care about for me food isn't necessarily about the who who made it it's about the what is it and that's another piece of this where it's like i have to then re-figure that out and where i'm going to find that information it's not important to me that this peach barbecue sauce is from tyler florence what's important to me is it is what's in the peach barbecue sauce and does it sound delicious but i think and like, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the minority because that's why Food Network has done has a magazine and a television show. But I think some personalities like you get a sense of who they are. So when Ina Garten has a recipe, I already know it's going to work. Like I maybe like it, don't like it, or I can have opinions about it. But I know that recipe is going to work. I would say that, too, with Tyler Florence. Bobby Flay, on the other hand, I think half of his recipes don't even work. Oh, interesting. They're just like kind of like um, uh, Paula Dean, Same like. I, I like her recipes sometimes, but I don't feel like they're fail-safe recipes. There's just people that I know they've tested these recipes, they've made them 20,000 times, and then but there's people... But it's weird to think that there's celebrities in this, like, on this show that and, like, having an entire corporation built around them still don't have recipes that work. Like, there's well, plenty of interns who are in there doing them. Yeah, you I know? think they work from the perspective of I'm Bobby Flay and... But like work in your home kitchen, like no, something that's what I'm that, saying. Yeah, it's weird that it that you, there would be recipes that don't actually work. There's always recipes that like don't but come then out again, the way. It might be user error. Hundred <laughs> percent. In the 100%. way that we all see them differently, you know. I don't, and that's the other thing is like I'm I'm rare to actually follow a recipe. Okay, and here's one big. We kind of gone off on a tangent yeah, here, but I'm just going to continue today. with it. Here's one big recipe fail or problem that I see all the time that I'm trying to correct, but I'm just one person in the land of recipes. And I think maybe we've talked about this before. All of the people that are chopping the garlic and putting the garlic in with the onions at the beginning of a recipe. What? Onions chopped into small bits do not cook at the same rate oh. as onions cook. You mean garlic. Garlic yes, chopped garlic. small. Yeah, and onions. So all these recipes are like, okay, you start your olive oil or your butter and you put your onions in and then you put your garlic in and then the recipe proceeds. Well, if you put the garlic in at the same time as the onions, which almost 99.9% of recipes tell you to do, 
it burns. You need to turn your temp down. Well, even then, it's going to burn. Because if you're cooking garlic with onion for the amount that the onion takes to be translucent, that's 10 minutes. That's a long time, even on low heat, to cook garlic in that's been chopped into bits. Yeah. Yes and no, I feel like. Because I feel like, I mean, yes, for sure. But oftentimes, if you stir it in with the onion and it just sort of mellows in like the butter and it just sort of like sits on a low heat, it's not going to burn. Well, they always have it at medium heat because onions don't get translucent at low heat. So this is my pet peeve. And like when you add the garlic, if you add the garlic that early, by the time you add all the other stuff, how much garlic flavor is really left versus if right before you add other things or you're kind of to the end of the translucent onion part and you micrograde it or, you know, you do something different with it, that onion stands on its own the garlic then builds on the flavor like i just feel like it's just a almost like a laziness because you don't want to add that extra step it's just easier to start the garlic and the onion at the same time i start the garlic i start the onion because i'm basically still chopping the garlic like i don't mise en place so then it's like it starts cooking and then i throw it in but i don't I also don't mind a little crispy garlic. I like to burn my garlic. Well, and browned garlic has a different flavor. Not a bad flavor, just no, a different it's flavor. Lovely. It's like a favorite flavor. It's like, I like crispy garlic, you know? Yeah, and for some recipes, like pasta or whatever, you're going for that. But yeah. I don't know. I just, I every recipe but, I read now, I'm like, oh, there it is again. Also, don't you think, well, and this is where I feel like, and there was an interesting article we should talk about with, because Sam Sifton has a new book about not having, you know, the unrecipe recipe book. Yeah. And the idea of that, which is totally from, in my mind, Nigel Slater. Yes. Your favorite. My favorite, which is like, that was like the moment I was like, right, I don't have to listen to you. (laughs) Right. None of you, none of you can tell me what to do. And so... That to me is like, you have to have, there's some understanding. I feel like we have to have an understanding about what level of cook are you? And I feel like almost every cookbook should come in and say, look, this can, if you have never cooked a thing in your life, this will be your book verse. And, and then they should also say, look, you got to have, you got to know some basics. You yeah. got to come into this knowing some stuff. And I think that would be fine. I would be fine with that because I just think like, I don't, no one's going to tell me when to put my garlic in. I'm just going to do it. You know, <laughs> I'm going to do it when I feel it. That's the idea. Oh, well, there we so are. there we go. Um, I am, when I get done with all this cookbook cooking, going to start, I'm, I'm going on a vegetarian type of cooking quest. Oh, great. Yeah. Just, just, uh, just going to experiment a little bit. So okay. I'll be sharing that with you along the way. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take Can't a wait. break and we'll be back. You have the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. 651-641-1071 if you want to call and weigh in. On your food magazines, your food TV, your corn recipes you're cooking, or perhaps you just want to talk about the state fair. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back and take your calls live. Welcome back to My Talk 1071. This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show where we take your calls live on air and answer your questions. We are going to take Susan as our first caller. Hi, Susan. How you doing? Great. I'm out walking with the weekly dish. Oh, well, that's a good Saturday. Thank you for bringing us along with you. What can we help you with today? Well, I'm getting ready this week coming up to bake for the state fair. And I always have trouble getting any decent apples this early. And I was wondering if you knew if any local apples would be ready in the next week. Well, there are actually Sweetland Orchard sort of uh, tweeted out that she has got some uh, apples that, you know, they're not open for business necessarily, but she's got some good ones out there that if you need 
to get in contact with her that they are available, like she could get them to you. You That's know what I mean? Gretchen. Prebix. Yeah. Down in Sweetland Orchards, the Duchess of Oldenburg is, uh, it's one of the Honeycrisp's grandparents. I'm just going to read you what it says. This variety originated in Russia and in these modern times is mostly unknown apple variety, um, but made a lifetime of pies for those who swear it is the best apple for pies. So if you oh, want to give her a shot. How about gro- grocery stores or co-ops? Do any of those have the best apples this time of year? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, you're going to find the same apples that you always find in grocery stores right now. You're going to find Minnesota Braeburns yeah. and, you know, you could find Honeycrisps yeah. there, I'm sure. Like, you're going to find the same, like, Pink Ladies and the Galas and all that kind of stuff. And there's some of those are good for pies, too, for sure. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Okay. All right. Thanks, Susan. Um, here is a question, 651-641-1071, if you want to weigh in or if you have Apple tech, please feel free to call in. Uh, I listen to your show every Saturday while driving in the car up north. I'm looking for a nice restaurant with a great patio for a nice dinner in the Minneapolis, St. Paul, St. Louis Park, Excelsior area. You guys always talk about such great restaurants. Can you give me some suggestions? I'm looking to oh, go this next is the Wednesday. One- this was the one on the email that yes. I didn't see the question because when you forwarded it, it was I missed that part. Um, all right, so this is just a, a nice restaurant with a great patio for a nice dinner. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff open. I had said and St. Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, my tops were Handsome Hog has a wonderful patio, um, you know, and it always feels really great there, and it feels like just being in the city, but also not in the yeah, city. Yeah, I like it there too. I, and you can sort of blend over onto Red Cow, and that's kind of nice too. They made their patio yeah. there really nice. Yeah, up in Cathedral Hill, it's just a lot of and W A Frost. My gosh, yeah, that's the I, I kind of don't even talk world. about W A Frost anymore because I feel like a everybody knows about it. B it's always booked. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, always packed. I love that place. Yeah, I know. I I just feel like it's impossible to get in. Is my point? So I don't know. Um, I did go to Duke's on 7th this uh, week, and they had something... First of all, their outdoor patio was pretty, like, amazing, legit. Like, huge area, indoor bar, outdoor bar, dog-friendly. They had these four frozen drink machines that had a a lemonade, lavender, slushy, a blue moon kind of slushy, a... They've got a Dole Whip. That's the one I was thinking of, yeah, that was, like, with pineapple and rum. And I thought that was pretty fun. That is good. We had a lot of good, the person I was with was a vegetarian, so we had a lot of good, like, cauliflower bites and veggie things, and it was good. Yeah, no, I like them. Duke's Um, on seven. Yeah. Uh, I was going to tell you that also, um, the Revival Food Truck just launched at Indeed Brewing, and that's kind of a nice, loose patio. You know, like, like if you're going to go, you can go get a beer and everything else. You can order from the food truck. You can order from Centro across the way. This makes me happy because this is I my know, this husband's, is husband's new favorite, favorite thing. like thing to do yep. is to go to Indeed and then order tacos from Centro. Yep. Not that I don't love tacos from Centro because I do, but it's rare that I want like a taco. Oh, yeah. So this gives me more options, yeah, which tons. I'm excited about. Tons, tons, tons. 651-641-1071. Uh, if you want to call in, we are open on the line and going to take your calls. Rachel seems like she's got someone that's curious about needing something in Cathedral Hill (laughs) and she's putting her name in. So we'll get to that one in a second. This is thrilling radio. (laughs) Oh, you know, always thrilling radio. If you guys have any questions you want to throw them up on the Twitters, you absolutely can. Um, You can send them to at Steph March or at Stephanie's dish is that right where yeah. you are okay 
Um, and we can totally get that on there as well. Oh, you are so funny. Um, okay, let's see. Oh, okay. Uh, we have <laughs> Anne. To- That's okay. Anne, come on on the show. Hi. Anne, how you doing? Anne, Hi, guys, love your show. Get Thanks. So many great ideas from you. So I just want. I was. I live in the Cathedral Hill area, right off of Summit Avenue. And we went to W.A. Frost just last night and did not have reservations and got right in. Oh, you did? Yeah. And so because we live there, we go there a lot. And we have probably been there in the last month, maybe three or four times and never needed a reservation. It was easy. Oh, my God. I heard two people tell me they couldn't get in. And so then I just assumed. But that's great. I like a boots on the ground report way better than that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't want to discourage people from trying because we've had good experience of getting in. Thanks, Anne. And Moscow on the Hill has a good patio in that area, too. Totally. All right, thanks, Anne. Oh, and Happy Gnome has like built out their whole patio. I haven't been there yet, but uh, we have Susan on the line who's working on her daughter's birthday party. Hi, Susan. Are you there, Susan? I am. Oh, what can we what help, can we you, help with? you? Hi. Uh, yes, I'm kind of similar to the last question, but my daughter's turning fifteen, and for her birthday present, she wants to go out to a fancy schmancy restaurant with six of her friends. And um, they want to get all dolled up, kind of like a pre-prom, but just with friends. And I'm looking at menus, and I would love to take the group to somewhere like Manny's, but yeah. I think that would be um, quite a bit. So yeah. there's <laughs> a mini Manny's. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a nice mom, but not that nice with a 15-year-old. But um, anything that you could recommend, we're pretty much anywhere in the Twin Cities that you could recommend. That's kind of a moderately good place, but they'll get the fancy effect. Yeah, I can think of a couple of places. I think Ann Kim's either Young Joni would be really fun for that or Suki and Mimi in Uptown. They've got like a multi-course pre-fee. Also, I always recommend Jones in the Park because I just think it's a good value. I think Jones in the Park is a little bit more like like you feel like you're dressing up for that. And they've got three course and you can sit outside on their nice patio. I'd say Meritage too in St. Paul. Absolutely, like Meritage might be a great place to sort of feel a little bit fancy, but it's and you're in downtown. You can pick things. The thing about yeah, you can pick smaller things, you know, and sort of make it not you know because you never know like what fifteen year olds are going to order either. I know. I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. But the other one I would say is if you can, I mean, Spoon and Stable is not crazy expensive, but yet it feels very, you know, cosmopolitan. They've got a great big table. You know, if you if there's a way to reserve that, I don't know how they're how they're booking up these days. But that's kind of a nice option, too. Perfect. I thought Baltimore, too, which is up near the Roseville Mall. It doesn't it's more um, kind of upscale mall dining, I guess, as it were. But yeah. the food is really good and it's reasonably priced, I felt like. Awesome. Lots of ideas. I wrote them all down. Thank you so okay, much. Okay. There you go. Fun. Okay. Good Got stuff. our 15th birthday party. What a lucky duck. I know. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have the top two in hour two. We're going to have some tomato season talk. Peaches. Jeff's got the peach, peach down low on the peaches when we come back on the weekly dish presented by our friends at Hornitos and Knob Creek.